Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, my name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and this is My Time Capsule. My Time Capsule is the podcast where people tell me five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they wish they could bury and forget. Now, my guest in this episode is Jess Conrad, OBE. Jess has been the vainest man in showbiz, self-styled, since the 1950s, having been a pop star, a film star, a star of the West End, a musical theatre icon, a TV star and a cabaret star. Friend to the stars most of his life, he started out, as he unashamedly admits, as a very good-looking boy from Brixton who wanted to be a gangster. Jess is a proper traditional star, old school and consequently the only person who's asked to be paid to be a guest on my time capsule, as you'll hear, worth every penny. Avoiding the life of a gangster, Jess fell into film extra work, then acting work, being discovered by Jack Good and having a number of hits in the early 60s, including one voted the sixth worst song of all time. That's quite something, isn't it? He went on to play Jesus in Godspell and Joseph in Joseph in his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat for many years, whilst also appearing in dozens of films like Reach for the Sky, The Queen's Guard and the Sex Pistols film The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Jess has appeared in TV shows like Dixon of Doc Green, The Human Jungle, Softly Softly, Space 1999, Are You Being Served, Doctors and Last of the Summer Wine. He told me about his extraordinary life when I visited him and his lovely wife Renee, who you'll also hear a bit in this recording, at his home in the Kent countryside, where we discussed the five things from his very full life that Jess Conrad would want in a time capsule. And despite his constant claims of vanity and selfishness, I found him to be charming, loving, generous and very funny. I'm sure you will too. 
Here is Jess Conrad. Right, anybody else want tea, coffee? What do you want? Another cup of tea? Yes, darling, okay. My lovely wife, of course, in yeah. her heyday was Miss Camay, you know, Camay soap. And her best friend was Katie Boyle, and that's how I got Joseph into the West End. Really? Because he had the theatre there, the vaudeville, and she said to Renee, because they used to tour together, because it's Camay Soap, and she said, "Um, what's he up to? She said, oh, he's on tour with Joseph. When's it coming to the West End? So Renee said, oh, it's not coming to the West End, it's just touring. She said, do you want him to come to the West End? Oh, she said, it'd be nice to have Jess at home, as opposed to, you know, every week being um, miles away. Mm. So she just said to her husband, you know, ba 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 ba. He said, well, I've got four weeks, you know, whether I don't know what to put in the theatre for four weeks. She said, well, put Joseph in. So that's when we took Joseph to the West End. Is that our mutual friend, Bill Kenwright? Yeah, bless him. Bless I went him. to his funeral. It was Did terrible. you? Yeah. What happened was he came and saw Joseph when I was doing it with another company Mm. and he asked to see me and I went up to the office and he said, I like the show, he said, and uh, I want to tour it. And he said, before you say anything else, he said, "Um, I want everybody that was in that show to be with you because... I'm sure you're all friends. I said, yes, we were. Mm. And then I did what is England's Broadway. We did Blackpool. You look a little bit like Bill, don't you? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. He was a good Well, no, guy. I mean, he's got the same sort of face. No, yeah, nice. <laughs> I loved him a lot. Um, I thought he was just an incredibly generous and kind and enthusiastic man. That's what I loved about him. Yeah. And I sent him a letter. I wrote a letter to everybody saying, I'm going to be a fantastic actor. All I need is a job that gets me an equity card. If you do it, you'll be delighted you've introduced me to the business. He rang me up and said, you're a cheeky sod, aren't you? Yes. And I, he said, I like that. Come and see me. And I went to his office and he gave me a job. Amazing. No, he liked all of that. He liked all of that. He came to Bambi Lodge when I lived in the, um, Denham. Mm. And um, he wanted me to go on tour again with Joseph. And um, he dived into the pool. It was... This is shallow end. Oh, no. And then just before he left us, he, he phoned me. And looking back, I know he wanted to talk. Something was on his mind and I was moving here. So all I wanted to talk about was me as usual. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm moving here and this and that. So I was a bit upset, actually, when he died. I went to the um, f- funeral last week or a, couple of, a month ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone was there, of course, and um, great loss. Yes. I um, See, really, I was going to say that you can take the boy out of Brixton, but you can't take Brixton out of the boy. So, so I see I'm a Bermondsey boy. I love Brixton because when I was, like, young, I loved the theatre, and we had a variety theatre there. And I used to sit upstairs for sixpence right up the top, <laughs> and I used to wonder what it would be like to sit down front, you know, never thinking about... What about being on stage? Actually doing it. <laughs> and um, I used to sit up there in the gods with my mum and think, oh, you know, I wonder what it's like down there, you know. And I saw some wonderful people, really young Max Bygraves, I remember, mm-hmm. Arthur Lucan. <laughs> now, that was funny, Old Mother Riley, because yeah. Old Mother Riley, you know, is a, is a funny woman. 
And people got to know that sometimes the understudy went on who was really like him and they didn't know the difference. Oh, really? Arthur Lucan. His girlfriend was his wife, wasn't it? And the other one that I loved all the time, Max Miller. Uh, I never saw Max Miller. Oh, fucking wonderful. He used to put put his foot on the footlights and lean over as if, if, I I want to tell you this, and you you (laughs) thought it was very intimate, you know. Yeah. And all that looking around went on for so long before he even told the joke, (laughs) you know. Now listen, now listen, no quiet. No, because he might be. Now listen. (laughs) When I first did Dame, I said to my dad, what's the trick of doing Dame, do you think? And he said to me, you should do it like Max Miller. You should lean right over. You've Mm. got to draw them in. Draw them in. Mm. Well, um, Norman Vaughan said, I've been offered to play Dame, he said. And I think I'll do it, he said, because once I pay Dame, he said, you can play it forever. I said, yes, you can. Mm. He gets a phone call. And he's got he's got the show with Golden Shot. Oh my word! Yeah. Now he's all he's he's already booked to do this panto <laughs> with me. He's the dame and I'm principal boy. <laughs> no, he doesn't want to do it. No. So he walked through. He didn't put any makeup on. <laughs> he was terrible. No character. Nothing. Just you know. Oh fucking! Let's get this over. With. <laughs> I never did it again. Oh, he was he was a good good friend of mine though. He, he was a funny man. Funny man. Um, what's big in my mind is um, Wilson, Keppel, and Betty. Yeah, the sand dance. Nobody could nick their act, could they? No. No, and what's funny is if you describe that act to people, they say, "Well, what's good well, about that?" Well, it's nothing. It's walking up and down. It's just it's just skipping a bit, isn't it? On sand. Wilson, Keppel, and Betty. Fabulous they were. Well, I'm really honoured that you've allowed me to come to your beautiful home here in the heart of Well, as Dawes always said, and I'm reminded now, before we go any further, Mm -hmm. that um, shall shall we get the business side of it? Always a good idea. (laughs) No, that's 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 what I said. You can take the boy out of Brixton, (laughs) but he can't take Brixton out of the boy. Put that in your pocket. It's not an enormous amount, I'm afraid, but it'll do. How much is there, then? Enough. Honestly, I wish I could offer more. You know? I wish you could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we both wish that. Why don't we do it? <laughs> uh, Jess, well, I never thought I'd end up talking to Jesse James, so Jesse James, yeah. <laughs> Call me Jesse James at school. Yeah. So how did that all start then? How did you... You say you sat in the gods watching these things and never thought about going on the stage. So how did it come about? Um, well, there was a place called La Grande where, you know, Michael Caine used to sit in there with um, his best mate, Terence Stamp, mm-hmm. and I used to sit in there and uh, had a, a book full of pictures and I'd be going around to funny agents and doing modelling jobs and bits and pieces. I was in there one day and an act called Larry Taylor came in and I'd just seen him in a film that afternoon. Right. And, you know, when you've never seen anybody in person that you see on thing, I went, fuck, I said, hang on a minute. I said, <laughs> I've just seen you in a movie. He said, yes, he said, yes. I said, God, I can't believe it here. Oh, God, near. I said, how'd you get into the, how'd you, I've just seen you, I can't believe it. Mm. He said, well, he said, you, you should be in this. He, he, he said, you're a good-looking boy. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight. <laughs> and he said, he said, 
go and see next to the London Palladium stage door. There's a little office there, Film Artist Association. You become a film extra. So I went to see this woman and she went all the way through, do you have this, do you have that? And then the last question is the one that, because you don't have one, she shows you to the door. She said, you know, do you have this, do you have that? Even do you, you know, because people didn't even have swimsuits in those days. Swimsuit, yes, da-da-da-da. And then the last thing, do you have a dinner jacket? I said, yes. I said, of course, my father's a mason and blah, 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 blah. And once a year we have them, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I became a film extra. And the first film was Reach for the Sky. Wow. And um, I was in it a lot, marching up and down with, um, who was the fellow, the big star then? Hadn't a, a big affair with a actress, younger younger actress. Oh, that that doesn't uh, more, right more. Down at all. Well, not more. Is it more? No, not yeah. more. Kenneth, oh yeah, Kenneth Moore. Kenneth, yeah, <laughs> Kenneth Moore, yeah, and um, yeah, he was looking for people to to do a close up, and he said, "You're one of the thin people," because it was um, a concentration camp thing. And he said right. to me, "You're do," and another fella, big fat fella. <laughs> <laughs> said, what about me, Governor? He said, no, no, no. He said, um, I can't use you. He said, you're too fat. He said, oh, Governor. He said, I only got captured yesterday. <laughs> Very good answer. That's what Film Extras did, though, to say, say you finish at, uh, at five o'clock. The third assistant, you say, come on, we've got to get this in the can. Otherwise, you would have to go another, another day and we don't want to do another day. So come on. <laughs> And then he'd come back and we'd all be hiding. <laughs> and fucking cupboards. Where are you? And in, in the third assistant, you. Yeah. God. Okay, first thing tomorrow. Up, up, you know, half past eight here tomorrow. <laughs> Another day's work. And then I used to follow Maxwell Reed. I saw him one day walking from Piccadilly Circus down to um, where the Hilton is. Hyde Park Corner, and I did this walk every, every night. You know, it's, it's a nice walk, and I always see funny people. I met Ava Gardner doing that, and um, we had a little affair. <laughs> so it's a, it a bit of a lucky place. And, and Maxwell Reed, God, he was, um, you know, he couldn't act, but he was a great-looking guy. Do you remember Maxwell Reed? He was um, diddly dumb's first. Yeah, Joan Collins. Yes, and that's another story, Joan Collins. I came out. 11 o'clock in the morning. She said, come and see me. I went 11 o'clock. <laughs> fucking opened the door. She had a dressing gown on and whoop, pulled me in. Mm. Yeah. So let's look at the things that you'd like to put into a time capsule and see what stories they open for us. Oh, dear. You'll be all right. Well, I've got all these funny things here. Mm-hmm. My autobiography, Blitz to Glitz. Yeah. Good title, isn't it? It's a good Blitz. title. To Glitz. Blitz to Glitz. Because I, I lived through the Blitz. I wondered, in fact, if you'd named this farm, because that seemed rather appropriate as well. Yes. Ducky's Farm. Ducky's Farm. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, show busy. Ducky's Farm, yes. <laughs> Blitz yes. to Glitz, then. Um, so this has just been released, Blitz to yes, Glitz. Yes, yes. Hmm. And the thing is, Simon sorted it all out and wrote it with me, mm-hmm. bit by bit, and it's rather a good read. Uh, there are only 60 chapters in it, which to me suggests you've had quite a full life. 
Yes. And unfortunately, I will probably lose a lot of fans when they read that. Right. Because, um, you know, when I was a young man and I only had my looks, I was a dunce at school and I got into the West End and started going to these tea dances with these um, women who husbands had died mm-hmm. or were on the game. And I thought I'd found um, uh, how to get an income. Mm-hmm. to live with these, these old women. Right, a good-looking young lad. A good-looking young lad. And I thought, this is easy money, so, um, you know. Well, I mean, it, I was a West End Ponce. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? That's it. That's another title for a biography, though, isn't it? <laughs> West End Ponce, I was. Then we had the situation of um, that we used to, we used to be in a, a, a club, the pub in, in Windmill Street, and the fellow used to say... To us good-looking boys, the, the, the craze are on the way. Uh-huh. Make yourself scarce. Otherwise, if he comes in and he says, come back to the f- house, you have to go. Yes. <laughs> and if you go, you're fucked. <laughs> so um, there was all of that going on. So I, I had a period of not knowing what to do mm-hmm. until I, I met this fellow in the cafe who said, be, become an a film extra. I became a film extra. And then somebody came and had his own chair. And I said, why has he got his own chair? He said, well, he, said he had a few lines. I said, well, I can do a few lines. I said, no, that's different. You have to become a member of equity. And the only way to become a member of equity is to go away and rep for four pence a week and get your equity card. Yeah. So I went to Charles Denville, oh, it was wonderful. He was an old, old uh, actor-producer with dandruff on his, all on his thing. <laughs> and his wife was 68 or something and played all the parts, <laughs> all the juvenile parts. And then she's playing a part, so I've got put grey on my hair to look old. Yeah. And I uh, walked on and she came on and she stopped And I fell over because I didn't know that people stopped and wait for applause. (laughs) Of course not, no. And she came in and and (laughs) stopped. So I fell over, (laughs) put my hands down, and I could see this halo of, of, because I'd put talcum powder in my hair to make me grey, and I saw this (laughs) fucking, all this powder go like (laughs) Oh, it was great fun. So as a boy, did you stay in Brixton during the war when the Blitz was happening then? Yes. Wow. There must have been a lot of bombing in Brixton when you were a boy then. Yeah, I used to go out and watch it. Wow. And um, well, Because it was further away from the dock, so you could watch it happen. Yeah, I could, I could, I could go out and go, boom, 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 boom. And there's some terrible things as well. I remember um, an aeroplane came down. And uh, the women went and, and killed this German. Terrible. They wouldn't let me look, so that they, but they walked me back off the field and um, they stuck a fork into him and things. I mean, it was just terrible. I, I never understood the situation where all these wonderful Americans had wonderful f- costumes. Mm, uniforms. Uniform costumes. <laughs> yeah, that's what the other Uniforms. <laughs> and our soldiers look like ducking, you know, but these the Americans, and um, the, the kids to come along and throw chewing gum out the trains to all us kids. 
And then they used to go to the um, Hyde Park, Cumberland Hotel. All the wives used to go there because that's where all the Americans were. Uh-huh. And they were shagging all these these funny wives and they were writing, uh, saying, saying, oh, yes, I'm very lonely, darling. But they were down there <laughs> with, the, with the Yanks. And it was so happening there that a lot of English guys, two or three I knew quite well, they pretended they were American so they could chag all these women. <laughs> and they all had moody American accents. And they used to go to these funny shops to buy American uniforms, Army and Navy stores. No, bit. right, yeah. <laughs> Get making costumes. And people saying, I've got a minute, you're a bit young for a general. And just put a funny accent. Oh, it was a terrible days. Oh, it's terrible. It was terrible. I used to go to the West End and bring Yanks back to all the old birds in where I lived. I never saw Mum with one, but my granddad had... Uh, <clears throat> A fire like that, a stove, yeah. and the and the and the and the thing on the top was always tea on there <laughs> all day long, and uh, didn't have carpets. Rich people had carpets. You had lino, yeah, and tea was always going. The toilet was outside, and one of my jobs was to cut up newspapers and put them on the hook for the toilet. And my friend next door, I was to my playmate. I woke up one morning and that, and that, you know, it's amazing how you sleep through this, but the house next door was gone. But um, on the top of the toilet was the girl's arm. Oh. You know, I knew it was her arm. She was my, my playmate. You know. We all had chickens then because people used to eat the chickens. And um, I went in and said to my granddad, the chickens have done a bunk because <laughs> <laughs> the chickens all blew up. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Uh, so that's all right. Let's put from blitz to glitz yes. into the time capsule because, in a way, that's putting your entire life in. But I'm happy to do that for you. And yes. uh, am I allowed to keep this copy? Yes. Wonderful. It's quite interesting because I lose a lot of fans. Well, may discover new ones. Well, I don't know. Unless i really peculiar. <laughs> What happened, um, there was a time when all movies glamorised gangsters. Mm -hmm. Gangster films was the thing. And I loved James Cagney and I wanted to be James Cagney. I wanted to, you know, shoot people, kill people. And then he came up in another film and he was dancing. Uh, And smiling, I thought, fuck this, what's he doing? (laughs) I thought he was a gangster, but he wasn't. He was a song and dance man. So that really spoils it all for me, you know. (laughs) Otherwise you would have ended up with a craze. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, your life is full of lots of turns and lots of moments, what they call sliding door moments, aren't they, really? But being good-looking kind of saved me because I used to go to tea dancing, you know, and get all of these old birds that were <laughs> divorced or, you know. And it was great because, you know, they looked after me and paid for everything. And then, as I, you know, so I got into show business and left all that behind, thank God. Mm. Otherwise, I would have finished up probably... Uh, Being defended by my dad, mm. who was the uh, criminal solicitor to defence in south-east London. So he, <laughs> he would have been the man, I think. He did the craze and all those people. Oh, the craze. I went to see him, Ronnie. Oh, it was funny. Dawes phoned me and said, Ronnie wants to see you. I said, Ronnie who? She said, (laughs) Ronnie Cray. 
I said, he's in fucking prison, isn't he? She said, yes. And he wants you to go and see him. I said, no, I'm not going there. She said, I think you better, Judge. You can't say no to Ronnie Cray. Wow. In fact, in that book there, there's a letter from Ronnie Cray, isn't there? So I go and see Ronnie Cray. Well, first of all, it's all done properly. A guy comes to my house, a gangster, and takes me out the night before. Took me to the inn place then, in Covent Garden. He was a nice fella, Joey Powell, his name was. We went to Joe Allen's, and then I went to see Ronnie Cray. And we go into a, a room about this size. Big then? Yeah, and he's sitting there. He's got all the time in the world. So it's, hello, Jess. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> oh, fucking hell, no. This is <laughs> going to be here all day. <laughs> going to be here all day. And he said, um, oh, you look wonderful and all of that. He said, um, you keep fit? I said, oh, yes, yes. I said, do you? Ronnie, keep fit? He said, oh, yes, yes, I keep fit. So I looked out the window and I said, do you run round that field, Ron? He said, no, 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 round this room. (laughs) Then he leaned forward and said, I'd like you to um, come and do a show for me. And I, I saw myself when he said that, as I do a show then, was in a cat suit. (laughs) With, you know, the obvious all-on show, <laughs> bulging thing for this all for women, you see. And mm. it was, the suit was cut, you know, so everything was showing and blah, 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 blah. And then he leaned forward and said, mum, is no object. So in those days, you, you, you had to take a band with you. And I said, we're going to Broadmoor. And the band said, we're not going to Broadmoor. <laughs> and they were on 25 quid a week then. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'll give you 25 quid just for the one show. Oh, really? So <laughs> I had number one cell. They had number two cell. And we went out there. Did Johnny be good? da 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 Johnny be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I stand out there waiting for the applause that all my life I've had yeah. so that I have to reprise it. Two, three, four, you know, and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> there was no there was no sound at all. <laughs> Just Ronnie going, yeah, clapping by himself. Blimey. And then he looked round and all these, you know, broken noses and funny ears. They all joined in and, and clapped and stuff. But it was quite a I mean, it's one of those things where you never forget, you know. No. And then he wrote this the letter that's in the book. In funny writing, isn't it? It's terrible writing. Thank you for coming and mm. come and see me again. Good Lord. All right, we've got the first thing in the time capsule. We've got your autobiography. So what would be the second so, thing? So, so what, what happened um, when I was a film extra Yeah, was the fact because I knew I was good looking and everything, I used to go to the leading ladies, lots of leading ladies then, came to England at the end of their sort of Hollywood times Mm -hmm. and sort of got a film here. And they always stayed at the um, Dorchester. And um, I I knew that, and I used to say, um, oh, hello, uh, how are you? And they said, oh, oh, yes, I I was wondering about you. Um, I I was going to ask who that boy was, and it's, it's nice to say hello. And I said, where were you staying? And they always say the thing. I said, oh, I bet it's lovely there. I said, I've never been there. 
would you like to come for tea? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love to come for tea. So I was to go for tea and da, 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 finish up in bed with all these old birds that have come <laughs> over here. So that was quite good, doing that. A lot of good-looking boys were film extras, and um, they finished up old men still being film extras. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to do that, so I wanted to... See, in those days, you had to be a member of equity to speak. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter, it's all gone. Something to do with um, Maggie Thatcher, wasn't it? Closed shops. Yeah, yeah. Ironic, she wanted everybody to open a shop. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I I went into rep to get my equity card, which was fantastic. Went to Aberystwyth, had great times in rep, weekly rep. And then I did another, a few things like that. And then Monty Mackey, who was a big agent, they had Richard Todd, who was a big star there, mm-hmm. the Al Parker agency. She came to see me in something and she thought she saw some ba-ba-ba-ba. So she looked after me and there was a film of the week and play of the week yeah. on television. There were only two channels in those days. And play of the week, I did play of the week. And in this, this play of the week, I played uh, a part of a, a pop star. And um, this pop star, they said they wanted the best-looking man. So the man, Paul Carpenter, played everything, didn't he? He mm. was a, a, a sort of American. He wasn't, but he played everything. So he played the fella, and they said they wanted a composite picture of, you know, the best nose in the world, somebody's ears. So you got a really beautiful man. Mm. It's all bits and pieces of other people. Oh. Instead of that, he just took a picture of his young brother, which was me, <laughs> Barney Day. So he took a picture of me. And uh, it was the play of the week. And because it was about a good-looking guy and, and I was on the screen, the publicity was unbelievable. There was a strike as well. And uh, there were only two channels. I think mine was the only channel on that night. So everybody watched it Friday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I went to see Jack Good, who was the um, Simon Cowell of that era. Yeah. And um, Did he do Oh Boy? Isn't oh Boy. And he, right. he put me straight in Oh Boy, nah. singing a duet with Billy Fury <laughs> to see how I stood up you know, with Billy Fury. Because Billy Fury was the big heartthrob of the thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a singer in America called Fabian, who was a great-looking guy, but not much of a singer. So he, I was a clone, England's Fabian. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Bill came along and gave me a part in Joseph. Mm. So I started doing um, musicals. You did Godspell as well, didn't you? Godspell, I did. Right. Yes, I did Godspell. Yeah, I like Godspell. Mm. It was it was it was great. Godspell. I saw David Essex do it. David Essex did it in the West End. I did the tour, mm. and we took more money than the West End. And actually, it was a better show because all the girls became famous, didn't they? Mm. Leslie Joseph, Susie Blake, and then the very good-looking boy, Gary Miller's son. Gary Miller was was a heartthrob in the 50s, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. So he was in it. So that was Godspell. Then I did Joseph. Um, How long did you do Joseph for? Well, I could have done it forever. <laughs> Never had a contract with Bill Ken, right? Just uh, friends. And um, we went to Blackpool to do it. And to be a hit in Blackpool is like the West End. Uh, it's unbelievable, Blackpool. Mm. And we were the big hit there. 
Snorbits was on one of the piers <laughs> with a dog. There's a famous was... story about Mike and Bernie. When Mike and Bernie Winters were going, when um, Mike Winters used to come on and sing a few songs and tell a few jokes, yeah. and then Bernie Winters would come on. Yeah. And as Bernie Winters came on, somebody shouted, oh, fucking hell, there's two of them. Oh, yes. There's two of the fuckers. <laughs> yeah, there's two of the fuck. Yes. No. What happened, Bod? There was it was part of the act where uh, it made it even better. Bernie's entrance was he put his head round the curve. He, he went e, you know, went e, you know. And, oh fuck me! There's two of them. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. So he used to come to me every night because he finished before me, and, mm. and he'd come over to me because he knew all the birds would be over around me, and just to go out. <laughs> He loved a bird, Bernie. What an extraordinary thing to be top of the bill in Blackpool and to be the number yeah, one yeah. show. It, it really was, is more than being a West End hit. Yes, it? yes, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I could go anywhere after the show mm-hmm. and have a meal yeah. and they said, no, come every night. Thank you very much, yes. Yes, so I used to go to the one restaurant every night, picture up on the wall mm. and they said you know Jess Conrad that comes every night what what, what time oh he's when the show's finished Is and it? they used to sort of sell me as uh, you know as a dessert <laughs> a special dessert so I went every night and had a free meal so you know I lived for nothing really I had a flat and one of the boys slept in the cupboard <laughs> paid half the thing <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> Cheeky so oh, dear, oh, dear. Yes. To be a hit in Blackpool is, is amazing because it really is the Vegas of England. Yeah. And, of course, I played Vegas. I went there and played Vegas, which was uh, another great experience. Playing Vegas was uh, absolutely fantastic mm. with um, uh, Kenny Lynch. Yeah. We shared a dress room because he was my best mate. Trouble was, I had to wake him up every fucking time he had to go on because he fell asleep in the dressing room. <laughs> I said, you're on. He said, how am I doing? I said, no, you're fucking off. Get on. <laughs> but Kenny was so laid back. I miss him. He died because he died recently. Mm. Well, been a couple of years now. Yeah. People forget what but, a huge uh, star Kenny Lynch was. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, to and, be on the cover of Band on the Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yes, he was my best mate. We had lots of really good times together. Mm. A lot of them very naughty, but good times. <laughs> very There's naughty. a theme running through this. Yeah, very yeah. naughty, very <laughs> naughty. So let's move on to the next thing you've got on your list that you'd want to put in a time capsule. Well, I'm loath to leave Jess's very comfortable and somewhat palatial living room, but we have to take a break here in case the podcast provider you're listening to this on wants to try and tempt you with some adverts. We'll be back when they're done. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back. Right, let's throw another log on the fire and settle down to hear what else Jess Conrad wants in his time capsule. A mirror. Why? Yes. Well, yes, I am vain. <laughs> <laughs> and it relaxes me when I look in the mirror because if I'm sharing a dressing room, I look at the other fella and they don't look in mirrors because they're fucking shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so being a good-looking man and looking in the mirror is quite good. It, it kind of um, puts you where you should be. Some people say that it can be a curse. It's difficult being good-looking. Yes, it is. It is but you have to play it, you know. If you're in a club, you say, hi, fellas, the poser's here. <laughs> You've said it. Yeah. They're thinking it. And if you don't say it, they say, oh, this, look at it, me fucking, yeah. you know. And in fact, Ollie Reed, who was my best friend for years, went so far as to get himself cut. You know, he loved it. He had a fight and they, they shivved him, cut him, and he loved it. He loved it because, you know, it gave him that... And I, I was going to, because it was a, a good thing, I thought, if you have a shiv mark, a cut, it means you're a teddy boy, so it's good to be cut. <laughs> so the times I've been in front of the mirror with a knife going, I've got to cut myself, because wow. it would be great if I had a cut. You I, know, can't, I can't remain love, perfect the rest of my life. No, I can't. Well, you know, the cut, <laughs> the cut was the... Uh, May finished it off. Right. I mean, could they say, you've been cut? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fight, but, you know, you should see the other guy, you know. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, I I, I remember Heinz, um, rock and roll's a very funny, funny thing. You do things, um, you know, like you kneel down on one number, you jump up on an amp, you put your foot out on one side of the stage and they can see your foot your patent shoe. Yes. And then all of a sudden they see it on the other side as well. <laughs> uh, but that's one of the stagehands yeah. putting these foot out. But all those funny gimmicks when you're rock and roll star and jumping up on the amp. It's silly, isn't it? Just you know, jumping up on an amp. It's no big deal. And Heinz came in because I jumped up on the amp like he did. Do you remember Heinz? No, I don't. He was the boyfriend of um, the man who made the records, Joe Meek. Right, yes. When he records you and he gives you notes, uh, he opened the door to give me a note and he had the bonnet on. It was a bit of a shock, really. <laughs> and, and and Heinz was his boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And um, his roadie said that I jumped up on the amp 
And he, he came in and said, you jumped up on the amp, you're stealing my act. I said, oh, fuck off. I said, you know, we're all stealing Elvis's act. And he went, meh, meh, meh. I said, look, if you don't go, you're going to get fucking hurt. <laughs> because, you know, I was a West End gangster boy. <laughs> I grabbed hold of him and I nutted him and I, the nose went, crashed, the nose went flat. But he wouldn't stop. So then I need him. So these bollocks were gone. And that was it. When they made the film, Telstar, Jess was played by an actor and I played Larry Parnes. Right. Who was the actor? Nigel Harmon. Played by Nigel Harmon. He looks Harman. like me because he's on television. He came to my house. Who's just done Strictly Come Dancing. Yes. Yeah. And he came to my house because he was an actor that wanted, like Method, he wanted to know about me. And uh, Vanny said something to him. She said, you sure your mother never met my husband? Because <laughs> uh, we, did, we did look similar. <laughs> when they did the film, yeah. they made it in, into a joke, a bit of a joke for uh, it, instead of a real one. You know, but well, it, it clearly was. But it, but it was a real, you know, I really done it like a kipper. And it's frightening, really, because the nose went. And then when I saw him later on, you know, with a broken nose, I was a bit upset about it. <laughs> he had a funny nose. End of his career. <laughs> yes, end of his career. Yeah. So we were just, there is your wife. I was just going to ask him about you. So Rene was at this party. I was making a film with Pauline Arm and having an affair with her. I was living with an actress called Billy Hammerberger was there. As well. And then I saw this one and I worked the room and then she was standing against the wall and I leaned, I leaned like that and got really close to her so she could see this wonderful face. <laughs> and I said, um, hello, who are you? What are you? You asked me out. So she said, yes, she said, I might come out with you when you get rid of her. Her and her. So that's how we met. It was not terribly romantic. Is it? <laughs> and then he said, can I have your telephone number? I said, no. And yeah. then the very next day, I'm, I'm doing a film, an advert, advertising a scooter. Mm. And all of a sudden she came in. There was this, this girl I'd met. No, the night we, before? Yeah, yeah. The and only I'm, one who, it seems to me, was able to resist your extraordinarily beautiful yes. face. We drove to the um, airport, didn't we, when you could go up the steps. A day shoot, and he tried to get my attention all the way. He even fell off the damn scooter. <laughs> uh, and I took no notice no, of No, no, but let me... <laughs> let me say the one thing that, that, that you put you right. I said, I'm sorry, all you can see is my back. Mm. And she said, never mind. She said, your back's better than most men's fronts. Oh. That did it for her. I thought, oh, oh that's good. Right. And then I couldn't ride, ride. You know, you say you can do everything. You can do it. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I said I could drive a motorbike, but I couldn't. <laughs> and off we went. Oh, my God, it was unbelievable. This is in Brighton. Perfect. Been married 60 years. Well, he was on tour most of the time, so I had my... <laughs> as far as you're concerned, it's about what, 10. What difference does that make? Well, you were never there, weren't you? Oh, no, I was never there. No. And when I was there, I wasn't there because I was a West End boy. I was out a lot with, um, well, the Doors was my closest friend. I mean, Diana Doors? Yeah. We were never an item, although we wanted, she wanted it to be. 
But I knew that if we if we became an item, it would be she came to my house to see if I was whether the wife was a bit trick or whatever, <laughs> you know, whether there was a chance of getting hold of this man. And she realized that, you know, I was all diddly dumbed up. <laughs> and um so we we became just great friends, you know. We we oh god, we had such fun. So we used to it's a bit it was a bit you give me the money, haven't you? I have given you the money, yeah. <laughs> Are we on a meter? She, yeah, no, 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 listen. <laughs> I'd go to these places with her, you see. One night stands, and I used to go with her because we, you know, we used to, we had to have great fun. And so <laughs> <laughs> this funny guy come in, came in um, and, and the door said, look, I brought a friend with me. She said, no, just Conrad. Oh, just Conrad. Yes. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And he kept talking about this tree that was in the room. Went up to the ceiling and then all the, and he said, this tree is this, it's that. And I, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> all I'm doing is looking in the mirror, see if I'm going to go on stage in a minute, you know. <laughs> so this tree's there. It's no dress room. So we're in the office where the big tree is in the middle. Mm. So Dawes says all of a sudden, she says, oh, I'm dying for a pee. I said, well, I said, you can, you can go out there. I said, but there's, there's all the ordinaries out there. Oh, she said, I can't pee where the ordinaries are. I said, well, <laughs> I said, that's where they are. Or I said, you know, you can pee in the um, base of the tree, you know. The... <laughs> Water the tree. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as we were friends and mates, so it's gusset to one side and you peed. Well... I've seen horses pee, <laughs> but I've never seen anything like this. It was gushing. <laughs> you know, and then gusset back on. She went and did her bit, and, the, and there was a kerfuffle about uh, there was no lighting or something. So I, I went at the back, and she saw Rock Hudson. Doris Day used to go on. And then Rock Hudson used to come on stage with a bunch of flowers. And she said, oh, Rock Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> bringing me a bunch of... So what Dawes used to do was we'd go to these gigs and she'd buy a bunch of flowers mm-hmm. and I'd be Rock Hudson. And they'd go, oh, Jess Conrad, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Jess Conrad. Oh, yeah, two for the price of one comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I give her a bunch of flowers. Oh, thank you, Jess, you know. So um, she goes on, I, I'm putting the light on her, come back, the tree's dead. <laughs> Killed the tree. <laughs> so I thought, I said to Doris, I said, look, I said, this is weird, weird. <laughs> I said, the man I go but berserk. She said, well, let's, let's get out of here then. So <laughs> we jumped in the car and got back home. But... Um, it was funny, buying flowers to, to give yourself. She was a very fine actress, wasn't she? Oh, she was wonderful, mm. wonderful. She died in my arms. It was terrible. Oh, Lord. Terrible. Terrible. We had such fun. We had our own chairs in, in Tramp, the nightclub, mm-hmm. and people used to come and want to sit in, you know, in Diana's chair. It was sort of one of those funny chair things. Mm. Yeah, she was a good girl, funny girl. 
So but, as you see, Rene was a top model and I uh, mm-hmm. married her and it was it worked very well. Been happy a long time. It's amazing, isn't it? Because it's, especially in show business, they don't last five minutes. No, and particularly for a man who, uh, up to that point... Puts it about a bit, yes. Puts it about a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's terrible. So is there a specific reason you'd want to put a mirror in the time capsule? What was the thing that really makes you think of a mirror, apart from looking at yourself? Yes, well, when I'm introduced, you know, when I go go out to clubs and things, mm-hmm. they said, Jess Conrad's here, ladies and gentlemen, Jess Conrad, and I stand up and I've got a pink mirror and I take it out and look at myself. <laughs> And I got that from an American called Gorgeous George. Yeah, it was a boxer, a very vain boxer. And a bit like Muhammad Ali, never yes, been hit. Yes, 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 yes. And always looked in the mirror and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll lick that. That's, ah. that. that's good for me. Right. And it's worked very well as a sort of a trademark. Yeah. I might lick it mirror. myself. Yeah. <laughs> and they laugh, people laugh at it, you know. Of course. So doing that is is taking the knobble off it, you know. It's just mm. uh, taking the piss out yourself. Yeah, it's doing it before they do it. They're thinking it, and then I do it. It's very good. It makes yeah. it acceptable to say, yeah, "Aren't yeah, I a handsome yeah, man?" Yeah, all right, just are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm. if you say, you know, I fellas, the posers here, they're fucked, aren't they? Yeah, beautiful. Sorry about that. That's all right. Let's move on to number three then, which is well, I mean, the pullover was. Um, there was a time when people sang about pillows to cry on, blue suede shoes. So singing about a pullover seemed to be a good gimmick. I got hundreds of pullovers that fans sent me. Oh, God, so many. Because of your song, My Pullover. This pullover that you gave to me, I am wearing and wear it constantly, soft and warming. It will always be like the true love you always give to me. All together now. <laughs> la, 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 la. So I had the world's worst record because <laughs> the disc jockey, Kenny Everett, said four or five times a day, are you awake, Jess? I'm going to play your record now. <laughs> as if we were friends and he'd play it again and he made it like a, a big hit. Yeah. This pullover, the world's worst record. It was on that LP that he Yes, it was on the LP. It's the world's worst record. I mean, mm. I've got the world's worst record. And it's not easy to sing that badly, you see. <laughs> and that's the best I could sing. But I told him I was doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so people sent you loads of pullovers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I had so many pull up. Um, so I did a film called Conga, was it Conga? And sang that song. And because of, they thought it was too long or it, it held the film up, they took it out. Now, if I'd left it in, Conga was voted the world's worst horror movie. <laughs> Instead of King Kong, take fair way up the Empire State Building. Conga chased the pop star up Big Ben. <laughs> I can't imagine why people thought it was bad. So it worked very well, this pullover. I used to do in pantomime, I used to do a joke where I was saying I was driving along the M1, knitting, 
and a policeman came by me on, on a motorbike and he led towards the window and I wound it down. And he said, pull over, pull over. I said, no, it's a cardigan. Terrible joke. Yes. <laughs> I played villain in Panto, not like with a beard or a scar. I played the villain because I was vain. <laughs> I'm Baron Hardup. I'm the best looking man in the land. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're yet the kids. Oh, yes, I am. And then I bring a mirror. <laughs> and the whole thing about me being a villain was the fact that I was vain. That's all. Yeah. I didn't put any funny faces on. I go, rah, rah, rah. it was just that I was so in love with myself. Mm. They hated me, the kids. I'm the best looking man you've. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. And I've got the best voice in the world. Do you want to hear me sing? No. Aha. Well, I'm going to sing for you. No, no. Yes. Whoa, this pullover. Ah! Make it work for you. you Of course. Absolutely. As you have done with all those things. All right. We've got pullovers in then. So that's number three. So let's move on to the fourth thing you want to keep photos. So when I turned up at the house, Jess, the first thing you did was show me your photos, the photos yes. on the wall of all the extraordinary people that you've met in your life, a photograph of you with Alvin Stardust, and there just happens to be Princess Diana standing there as well. Yes. Mm. And I don't know whether you can see it there, but she's blushing. She went red because I said, do you ever get out alone? And Alvin went, he's only asking you for a date. Everything we talk about becomes another title for another autobiography. So I hit on Princess Diana. (laughs) It sounds pretty good to me. I'd buy that book. (laughs) And I think she would have stood for it as well. (laughs) Brilliant. She did go a sort of bit funny. I like having photographs around that remind me of different times, but your house is absolutely full of the most extraordinary photographs. I like looking at myself, you mean. <laughs> well, yes, you know, I, you know, no, I, I do realise that uh, there are a lot of ugly people about and I'm not one of them. <laughs> but you also must be reminded by them of the extraordinary things that have happened to you. Yes, I suppose, yes, it has been... A very exciting life, I think. You know, you you wouldn't fall asleep if you were strapped on my back. (laughs) (laughs) Which Renee nearly was. Yeah, I mean, all the famous people I've I've known and and, and that have died, of course, that's Mm. always very sad. Kenny Lynch was, was a big blow. We used to, you, the clubs used to be open at lunchtime. Um, we were in Stringfellows with Eddie Kidd, where we always were. Stringfellows was the place, uh, and he loved us going there and because uh, we would get free drinks and things. Mm. But Stringfellows was really good. Yeah, it was a good place to be. Everybody, anybody was there. You'd see all the showbiz people there. And Eddie Kidd went to the toilet and he came back out of the toilet and uh, he had white on his nose. So he'd had a sniff of coke and I said, you're fucking mad. I said, you're working tomorrow, aren't you? I said, if I was working tomorrow, I wouldn't even be out. It's one of my things. If I'm working the next day filming or anything, I never go out to the night before, ever, ever, ever. Early to bed, you know, the script, all that's the malarkey. And uh, he said, no, 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 it's an easy jump. And, of course, that terrible thing happened to him. Mm. He uh, did the jump and uh, it landed before it should have landed and uh, 
It was awful to watch. Have you, have you watched it? I, I, I have never seen it, no. no. But I know about it, yeah. Awful, awful, yeah. awful. I mean, it was an easy jump that he would do normally quite easily. But that particular day, because maybe because he had a lot of dope the night before. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I always think, Jess, all the people I know who survive in showbiz for a long time, there's an enormous amount of dedication goes into it. For one, you have to keep up the energy of wanting to go to these things because you get invited to parties, you get invited to opening nights, you get invited to see other people's shows all the time, and you're doing your own work. Yeah, The dedication involved in doing that is extraordinary. You've done it for years and years and years, and so you must love it. Yes, I mean, uh, yes. I, isn't it wonderful to, to uh, you know, window cleaners don't don't like going to work, do they? No. If my car breaks down, there's people that do it. I couldn't do it. Um, I've never done anything apart from show business. So I'm, 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 I'm a. Don't say, "Have you cut the grass?" Mm. I don't do that. Don't do manual. <laughs> But I'm I'm not like that. If I get invited to things, I think, oh, I've got to go. And I go. And I quite often enjoy it. But I, in a way, I go under sufferance. Whereas you clearly must just love the idea of it. And the idea that, you you know, Stringfellows is the place to be. Everybody was there. Yeah, yeah. And we had a fantastic time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a night owl. What was? I mean, you know, now I live in the country. But uh, I still do the West End. What was that place we went to? We was full of celebrities for me. The Phoenix Club. Yeah. Up Charing Cross Road. That was all full of celebs. And I did a night there showing my films and talking about them. I do that quite a bit now, mm. which is quite fun because I've made lots of films with lots of famous people so I can talk about George Sanders and Buddy Hackett and my dear friend, the handsome man that drank too much. Anthony Steele, mm. and, uh, you know, we've had a couple of really big showbiz parties here that have been very successful. When I first arrived here, you told me about Roger Moore saying that you had to flirt with all the women, otherwise they felt insulted because yes. they would look at you and think, well, there's a handsome man. And yeah. if you didn't flirt with them, mm. they would be insulted by it. They felt that you, yes. why is he not flirting with me? And that's a responsibility, you think, that you have. It is. A responsibility that handsome men have to live with. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you would Well, be. Louisa Moore said to me, I don't have to worry about you because you've got your own handsome man. Sometimes I'm, I'm somewhere and there's there's six or seven women around me talking and, and Rennie comes on, they go, will you? And she says, I'm his wife. And they go, Woo! They all fucking disappear. Well, I've been standing on my own for about an hour and I think, well, that's it, you know. That's Why enough, did I though. come? Yes. Am I the chauffeur or what? Do yeah. I deserve a cap? Or, you know, do I get paid for standing around here waiting? Yeah. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you, you took him on knowing his reputation yes. as well. Well, I'm glad you said that. Mm -hmm. Mind you, if I'd known how deep that reputation was, I would have thought twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> look at his mouth going. And she's definitely, <laughs> it's truthful what she's saying. Anyway, the pies are ready. Pies Lovely. Pies salad and I've laid it on the table, otherwise it's... You know. Okay, well, we're nearly done. Okay. All right, so we've got all these lovely photographs, which are not only of famous people, but also family. 
So let's decide what the thing is that you'd like to put in there that you'd want to banish from your life. I don't, well, I, I you know, I, I, I don't feel, I mean, somewhere is 88. Next week I'm 88. When I look in the mirror, I don't see a man of 88 because I know what they look like. <laughs> so um, I'm glad that I don't shave, you see. All this thing about shaving, I mean, kids were shaving when they were 12, you know, at school. Oh, they had a shave, said your silly son. <laughs> I never had to chase that manly thing. It never worried me, you know. They used to shave so they could say, you know. I could grow a beard if I wanted to. Yeah. My mum said, um, well, she said I was going to break lots of hearts. And it was almost like an order. You're going to break lots of hearts, ladies' hearts, she said. And she used to allow me, she was so funny, I used to bring girls home, see, and put them in my bed. And she used to come in in the morning and say to them, oh, I've not seen you before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're lovely, you are. Jerry boy, I like this one. (laughs) You'll probably be here tomorrow, will you? My mum was the only girl in the family. She had all these brothers, about nine or something. Mm. They were all sailors in the war. She was a South London beauty queen, my mum. She spelt Linda with the Y because she thought it looked posher. (laughs) And I used to love her coming because for every Friday she'd come to school to meet me. In fact, all the mums used to come on Fridays for some reason or not. And I loved my mum coming because she looked like Linda Darnell then, who was a big film star. Mm And uh, it gave me a great thrill to think that my mum was the best-looking mum. Yeah, you know, brilliant. And Linda, of course, in Brixton would rhyme with Winda. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you want to put your birth certificate in because uh, it reminds you of the fact that you will be 88 next week. You want to put it in there and never look at it again. Yes. Now, does this all make sense? It does make sense, complete sense to me, yes. Because you're talking, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I know what I'm talking about, and oh, it makes, it's made complete sense to me, Jess. I know, I know. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. It's been an honour and a pleasure to meet you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I've never seen anyone so handsome in my life. Well, the thing is, neither have I. <laughs> You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my completely unique guest, Jess Conrad OBE. I'd recommend his autobiography, From Blitz to Glitz, which I'm delighted to say he let me have for free. It's a record of an amazing journey, as I'm sure you realise, but also of a world that fundamentally doesn't exist anymore. It's absolutely fascinating. Okay, before I go, a little bit of admin. Do subscribe to this podcast, and if you have the time, do rate, comment on it, or review it. My Time Capsule and I are both on social media, so find us there and tell us what you think. Or you can email us on mytimecapsulepodcast at gmail.com. The theme tune by Past the Peas Music is available on Spotify, and this podcast is available without ads if you pay a small subscription through Acast Plus. You'll also get a bonus podcast every week, all for just £2.99 a month. 
Details in the description of this podcast. The theme tune was written by Pastor P's Music and is available on Spotify. And this was a cast-off production made for a cast to distribute. It was produced by John Fenton Stevens. Right, well, we couldn't let this opportunity pass us by. So here, for your listening pleasure, is as voted by the listeners of the Kenny Everett Radio Show on Capital Radio, the sixth worst song of all time. This pullover. Good luck. This pullover that you gave to me I am wearing and wear it constantly Soft and warming like your love for me It was made dear like you were made for me This pullover I find very smart For it tells me that we will never part Don't you worry My little sweetheart Just like you did It's closest to my heart There you go Fundamental mistake by the writer of course As we all know it's not a pullover It's a pullover So it really should have gone this pullover Then again it was voted 6 in the list Of all time worst songs Just imagine what the top 5 were like I wonder if I recorded one of them Bye Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.